So we'll continue this conversation as we continue our sermon series on Ambitious Church. And as we do continue talking about stewardship, uh, we are focusing on how ambitious church, truly ambitious churches, they are generous. So one of the values from our sermon series says that ambitious church, uh, churches give, giving is faithful as well as joyful, consistent, and sacrificial. So this morning, we're going to talk about giving. And in order to do that, we are going to look at a passage from Paul's teaching in, uh, to the church at Corinth. But I need to give you some context for this to truly make sense, first of all. And so what is going on here is that um, Paul's been working with the Corinthians for a while. They're struggling with some things, and he is really digging in and teaching them. But chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, he is focusing on their financial giving practices. And so, remember, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Corinth was a trade and culture hub. So this church was affluent. These folks had resources. They had money. And Paul was calling for an offering from all of the churches in Asia to take to Rome to support the the struggling Jewish Roman Christians. And, And as he was doing this, there was a church in Macedonia who, is, who themselves have been struggling. They were uh, a poor church. They had been afflicted with conflict, with things that were going on, but they wanted to participate in this offering as well. And lo and behold, when all was said and done, they completely surprised Paul by collecting a very generous financial gift. And so Paul's trying to bring this unity to the church by having all these Gentile churches out in Asia take up this great offering to show their support for the Jewish Christians in Rome. And here's this Macedonian little church showing up, the big church in Corinth. So Paul's trying to help encourage them to live fully into um, the, the giving capacity and the example that the Corinthians could be. Um, and so uh, he's talking to them about raising a bit more money than their piddly little offering uh, the first round was. So this is what's going on. Now I invite you to hear um, this particular teaching from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Paul says, what I mean is this. The one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. You see, he's referring to this special offering, this collection. As it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. I love that verse. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. 
Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, the Jewish uh, Christians in Rome, but it is also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They will do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. They will also pray for you and they will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace that God has given to you. Thank God for his gift that words can't describe. This is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to get right to it and continue to build on what Crystal has shared with us and what Paul is trying to teach us. And I think Paul makes four important points about giving in in that, that text. First of all, our God is a God of abundance who can provide more than we need when we demonstrate our generous heart. See, that's God's economy. God's generosity is amplified when our generosity is evident. God's generosity is amplified when our generosity is evident. Um, He also says each person has to give what you've decided in your heart. You see, this is not an intellectual decision. This is not just a financial decision. It is a spiritual decision. It is a decision that involves the heart, the the soul, the spirit, all of it together to discern. He also says um, each person gives not reluctantly nor out of pressure, but because you want to. Not because you ought to. Not because we told you to but because you want, like the Macedonian church, you want to be part of this collection, this offering for God's kingdom work, God's good, good work. And finally, God loves a cheerful giver, and he is quoting Proverbs. And so um, I was reminded at Pastor's Roundtable, something I've experienced myself, which was when I was worshiping in a church in South Sudan, while you could still go into South Sudan, um, when it came time for the offering in those churches, oh my goodness, it was a celebration. The music would start, and people would literally dance down the aisle and bring whatever they'd brought, whether it was money or eggs or a chicken or whatever, and they would offer it um, during that time of the service. Well, I was trying to find a video, and I've discovered Brother Lawrence. And so I want to share with you just the joy and the celebration of this particular African church and how they bring their offering, um, as Paul says, um, as a cheerful giver. Wait for it. Notice the other people too celebrating. 
although it's hard to take your eyes off of Brother Lawrence. Wait for it. Boom. <laughs> okay. So that's not exactly what our offering looks like, is it? But oh my gosh, do you feel the joy of that moment? Who knows what's in that offering envelope? Who knows? Who cares? The joy of the giving of that moment um, is beautiful. Well, there was not cheerful giving in Corinth, and I would say we're not always, not always, we're really not that cheerful in our own giving. But, but when we give back to God as part of um, our joy, at recognizing the blessing that God has given to us. Oh my gosh, it does multiply and amplify the generosity of that moment. The Corinthians had forgotten the joy of giving because they were caught up in a scarcity, a theology of scarcity due to their stinginess. Because if we stop and think about how hard we work to get to where we are and how hard we work for what we have, we're likely then to be stingy in our giving too. It's a mindset that thinks that what we have is because of what we have done and that we deserve it. And if we're dangerous in that thinking, we can even begin to feel like we have been shortchanged. But if we think about how God has provided for us, how God has opened doors for us along the way, how God's grace has worked in our lives, then we're likely to be more generous. Can you think of a time when God's grace was working in your life and God provided exactly what you needed? I can remember where a time just a few weeks ago where I felt like God was using me to do that in someone else's life. It was the end of the summer, and it was late in the day, and a couple walked in, and the only ones left in the office were me and the office volunteer. And so um, I invited the couple back and quickly realized that this was a crisis need. Um, they were camping at uh, one of the campgrounds, and they needed $40 for that night. And Laura um, was not here that week, that day. And so I'm sitting there listening to their story, and he um, had been working a day job, but the truck had broken down for that particular day. So he was, they were already $40 behind for the night before and um, didn't have the $40 for tonight, that night. So I'm listening to them, I'm like, oh, and I, I rarely do this because we, you know, go through our crisis assistance process, but I get up and I walk to our pocketbook and I'm like, oh, please let there be some cash in there because I don't normally have cash. And I open up my wallet and there were two $20 bills. I was like, thank you, Lord. Took them out, handed them to this couple and the tears just poured down their face. I don't know exactly what they might've used that for. I'm pretty sure it went straight to the campground. Um, and, and, and it bought them another night while the truck was being fixed. Um, but I didn't care because in that moment, that was a need that was expressed to me. And I felt like God was using me to help meet that need for them. But as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a couple of lessons. Not only that God really does provide. Sometimes God provides for us. Sometimes we might be the vehicle to provide for someone else. But it also reminded me a little bit about our, what I'm going to call our treasure management. Our treasure management. Remember that Jesus said, where our treasure is, 
there is our heart from Luke 12, verse 34. Our offering to others or to God is not freely given if we attach a string to it. So that day I handed the $40 and it was theirs to use however they wanted. I expected nothing in return. And it still felt so good to be able to, to step into that need. But when we start expecting something in return, then our motives can become questionable. And this is hard for us, y'all. Culture teaches us to always expect something in return with the exchange of finances. So this is a Christian mindset that is a bit counterculture. But when we give to God to be able to freely offer that gift, for God to bless it and use it, it needs to come with no strings attached. Otherwise, the focus becomes more about the treasure and less about honoring and giving thanks to God and where our motivations are then begins to shift away from God. Because you know what? Our ultimate reason for giving, it is to glorify God. As Crystal said, God doesn't need our money. That is not the point. But it allows us to glorify God, period. And then when we do that, the result is the sense of thanksgiving that wells up within us at God's generosity in our life, whatever that might look like. And another way to look at treasure management um, is... You know, any other way that we might look at treasure management um, can lead us off course and quickly become motivated by um, sin and our own selfishness. So in Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God, um, he tells this great story about self-centered giving. So there was a time, uh, once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot it was the biggest carrot he'd ever grown. And so he decided to bring this carrot to the king. And he said, my Lord, this is the greatest carrot that I have ever grown and that I ever will grow. And I want to give it to you out of my love and respect for you. And so the king received it. He discerned the man's heart. He was touched by what he saw. So as the gardener turned to leave, the king said, wait a minute. You know, I have a plot of land that's right beside yours, and you clearly are gifted in um, tending the land. So I'm going to give you this plot of land so you can garden that as well. And the gardener was like, oh, wow, thank you, king, thank you. And he left, amazed and and delighted with joy in his heart. Well, there was a nobleman in the king's court that saw exactly what happened. He was like, if that's what you get for a carrot, what happens if you give a better gift? So the next day he comes in um, with a beautiful black stallion and he says, King, I have bred this beautiful horse. It is the best I've ever bred and ever will breed. And so I give it to you out of my love and respect for you. And the king, discerning the nobleman's heart, said, thank you very much, took the horse and dismissed the nobleman. And the nobleman was confused. He's like, wait, what's going on here? And the king explained. He said, you see, the difference here is that the gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. God discerns the motivations of our giving with no strings attached for God's good use and good purposes. So I want to close with a quote from John Wesley. And then an ask for you. Wesley says, not how much of my money will I give to God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself? Wesley recognizes that all of it is God's anyway. We're just stewards of it. 
And we're just giving back just a little bit of what God has given to us and entrusted to us. So friends, our stewardship question for you this week is how much is God calling me to give this year as a percentage of my income? And this is a personal and it is a spiritual question. And three kinds of people tend to answer this in three different ways. So some people say, I feel that God is calling me to tithe. And so I'm, I've wanted to do, to do this. I feel called to do this this year. I'm going to give 10% of my income. And they choose to begin tithing. Another kind of person will say, I feel called to, to begin tithing, but I'm not ready to do it this year. I'm not ready. But I feel that God is calling me to start somewhere, to, to drive my tent peg into maybe 5% or 4% or 6% knowing that God is going to bless this decision and work with me and help me to grow that giving um, in the coming years. And then there's a third kind of person who's been tithing for years. Maybe they thought at one point that they would just start tithing and then give more later. And now they realize as time has passed that they can't fathom how they've arrived at such a high annual income. That 10% doesn't seem or come close to being sacrificial anymore. So they feel that God is calling them to consider giving 15% or even 20% of their income to support God's good work here at Boone UMC. So as we prepare for Commitment Sunday, I know that each of you will be praying for God's guidance and discernment as you prepare to answer the question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? And so... If you go about making that decision with what your heart tells you, and not reluctantly, and if you do it not out of a sense of alt, but if you do so cheerfully, then I know, I know the Holy Spirit will inspire you to be generous with whatever your estimate of giving um, will be that you offer next week. So we ask that you bring the yellow pledge card back. These were mailed a couple of weeks ago, but we've got several laying all around the church. So go home with one in your hand today if right now you can't think where your card is. Okay, so, so take one home um, and pray over it. Talk about it with your family. Pray over this as you make a decision and then bring it back next week. Because we are going to have a time during next week's Commitment Sunday service to bring your offering up front and know you do not have to dance like Brother Lawrence. But if you want to, it would be kind of fun. Um, But um, to spend some time thinking about what is God calling you to do? How can you be a partner with God's amazing kingdom work through this church, Boone UMC? Thank you.